This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the Cottage Talk post-match show. I'm Russ Coleman. Joining me right now is Max Cohen and Steve Lidyard. This is our show about the 1-1 draw for Fulham against Newcastle United. We did a full-time show, Amelia and I. Well, now I'm joined by Max, who was very vocal in his messages during our show there. So I'm sure he's going to share some of that with us today. And Steve Lidyard, who happens to be a ref, so it's always good when we have controversial calls to have Steve on. But I'm going to start with you, Max. Over to you. Thoughts on the 1-1 draw? Yeah, I think everyone's going to talk about the refereeing, and that's a massive part of it. You know, the more I look at it, the more I'm completely befuddled by how that's a penalty on Cal Wilson. I think it's clear that the contact stops outside of the box, and Wilson does a great job of selling it, but more supposed to cut that out. And yeah, I mean, I... People are angry at Graham Scott, and I think they have every right to be, but he wasn't shown any angle except the one angle which we saw, and it was a terrible angle. So it's, well, it's a systemic I failing. I definitely want to talk guy. about that, Max. I'm glad that you brought that yes. up. And again, I don't want this show to be all about these decisions because we have to talk about foam and what they didn't do to win this match because I have a good analogy that I'll, I'll use a little bit later. But what's interesting about VAR, at least in this situation, has it been confirmed that he only had one angle, Max? Because, again, we had several different angles to this. Did he, o- uh, did he only get one angle to this? And if that's the case, why are they not showing the ref multiple angles? Yeah, I mean, all I know is what I saw on the television broadcast. It kind of showed what Graham Scott saw as he walked over to the monitor, and it didn't look like he saw the most convincing angle that I was seeing on social media okay. afterwards. So almost in the moment... I was okay with the penalty because I saw what he saw. And yep. then they show, I see on Twitter and WhatsApp, whatever. And it's much clearer to me that it was a penalty. But you're right. It's not all about the refs. And I think I think this week is going to be looked upon a lot uh, come May because it started off with that amazing performance against Liverpool. Yep. And I think that completely sapped us, to be honest. 
And, you know, giving up that late goal sapped us as well in the Liverpool match because everything from there on out has just not been good enough. The Brighton match, that nil-nil was honestly pathetic. And I think that's a big two points dropped come the end of the season. And we go away to St. James's Park with a team that's, you know, Newcastle's been racked by COVID. So they didn't have a full squad available. They just came across, came off a 5-2 thrashing in midweek. And we should have won this match. Newcastle oh, created very little outside of the penalty. Absolutely. And the thing that saddens me is that we came out of that stretch of Leicester City Liverpool with more points than anyone ever could possibly could have considered but you go to the must-win matches and I think that has to be Brighton home Newcastle away we didn't show up the way we showed up against Leicester against Liverpool and that's some questions the squad have to be asked because we need to win the matches against the teams around us we have not shown that yet I mean we only have two wins all season and I'm just gonna get a bit more pessimistic now because I'm ruining these points dropped. And Mitrovic played, wasn't fully fit, didn't look like it. We created some chances, but the goal was a bit fortunate. It needs to be a lot better. And it just puts pressure on us is the main thing for me because you look at the match against Burnley, the 3rd of January, right? You look at the matches second half of the season. Because we failed to win these crucial matches in the first half of the season, there's going to be so much pressure on us in the second half of the season. And we're making it hard on ourselves. We just need to win these matches, and we didn't. Um, and we have another tough run of fixtures. Southampton, Spurs, Chelsea, United, we all have to play in the next five or so matches. We need, we need more big performances, but we have to win the match against the teams around us again, and the squad didn't do that. No, they did not, Max. And, uh, you know, and again, some very good points. I'm going to share my thoughts in just a bit, but I want to go to Steve. Steve, your thoughts on what Max shared, and give me your opening thoughts on the 1-1 draw. I'm pretty much the same as Max, you know, it's, it's going to be useful getting points off the bigger teams and stuff like that. But ultimately, the season's going to be decided among the teams like Newcastle, Brighton, Burnley, you know, West Broms and those are the worlds. And if we're not picking up points there or we're losing narrowly, drawing, not scoring enough and then conceding, do you know what I mean? Drawing games, that's what's going to be our downfall. We've seen a lot lately and probably a lot of teams have seen that we're capable of staying up now. But if you go to Liverpool, get a draw... Also, you get get a draw home to Liverpool, and then you go and sort of you know drawing with Newcastle, or for example, going losing the return leg. You, yep. Do you know what I mean? You, it's just not going to work. You're going to end up down the bottom. Um, something's got to change. Whether that be the recruitment, whether we get a couple, you know, few players in that can make the difference, two or three players probably that can make the difference. Maybe a striker, maybe another fullback. You know, well, Teddy will be back soon, hopefully. Yeah. Um, Possibly a third centre-back if we're looking to go with the three option. Because Aina, you know, I actually like Aina going forward, but at the back he is a bit of a liability. Um, we can't afford those errors, that one error, that one costly error, and that's it. But at the same time, it's not all his fault, because had we put no. the chances in up the other end, two, three, four, nil, you know, there you go, boom. You know, we're, we're str- <laughs> you know that goal means nothing, the red card means nothing. Right. Um, going back to that, I mean, it is a red card. Um, either way you look at it, it's going to be a red card. The question is, is it a penalty or not? Now, the holding stops outside the box, which is what I was a bit annoyed about. Yep. But apparently it's given for the step or the, or the trip, accidental trip on the guy's heel. Now, I personally don't like that. We, As a referee, we have to yep. enforce that um, because it's not a genuine attempt for the ball. However, you can clearly see it's accidental. That's the part of it that I don't like. Okay. We have to enforce it, but I don't like it. Um, so it was always going to be a red card. It was whether it was a penalty or not. Clearly, there's some sort of contact there, so it has to be, and it's on the line, which counts as a, you know, counts as in the area. But it's really harsh to get a penalty, a red card, 
you know, change the game. They score it. You know, it's it's really, really harsh for an accidental collision. But that's the way it is, isn't it? Until the lawmakers will change that, you know. Obviously, us as referees have to implement that. So Graham Scott, in the end, has actually got it spot on. Interesting that you say that because I've watched this back several times and I didn't see the trip. Maybe you saw something I didn't see, Steve. I saw plenty of angles on this. I'm talking about the step. I, I see what you're saying on that. And uh, someone actually recently sent me a screenshot on it. But I saw several angles and uh, I didn't see that. But again, you are rough and uh, I, I trust your judgment on that. But um, going back to both of what you guys said, I understand where you guys are coming from. And um, my thoughts on the match, again, I'm very proud of this team. And I said this on full time and and uh, I just wanted to stress this again. To go down to 10 men and to still look like you're going to try to score when you're down a man, I think is a step in the right direction. Most teams would have just sat back. Fulham didn't step, didn't, didn't sit back until the very end. And uh, I think they tired out a little bit. And then, and then the last 10 minutes were very nervy, but I like Fulham's approach when they went down a man. I like their approach for the majority of the match. Was it passive at times? Maybe, but I thought they were the better side. The issue I have with them, you know, and again, I want to give them full price. This is, the problem, and this is something that Emilio and I talked about, because when you only score that one goal, guys, and you're on the road, you are leaving yourself open to these types of situations. If they took their opportunities and scored, they wouldn't be where we are today. And the best analogy I can give you is if you're watching a boxing match and you're facing the champion, and you have to knock the champion out, right? You have to. Know, you don't want it to go to a decision. That's what this is. You don't want it to go to VAR. You don't want it to go to a referee decision. You need to score more than one goal. Give yourself that leeway so it doesn't come down to this. So Fulham had their opportunities in the first half. And then, of course, as Emilio said to me, when you look back at the penalty, it actually does start with Aina. So, And again, I'm not trying to really get on him, but his mistake leads to all of this. So we do have to talk about that. We'll talk about that when we break down both the halves. But I said in full time, you know, that Fulham deserved all three points. Yes, I, 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 I still feel that based on the play. But they, again, left themselves open and to the, these opportunities to not take advantage of these opportunities to be in the situation where a ref, VAR, can change the match, Steve. What are your thoughts on what I just shared? Not too much, really, Russ, but just going with the VAR side, I think the problem we've got at the moment, and it might come in in time because it is relatively new and they're yep. probably not overly, you know, comfortable doing it, but whereas in rugby they have, you know, when they have those particular decisions, I mean, you can always hear the referee. I'm yep. not sort of advocating that in football, but when you go to these major decisions, it would be nice to actually hear what's going on. I totally agree with that. Just to find out what they're discussing... What you know? What what's okay? Tell exactly. me this. Tell me that. We have no than, idea what they're discussing. Exactly. And then we have to, you know, everyone sort of gets irate on social media, and then we have to find out through a third party exactly what's been going on. Just communicate at the time if you want it to be about the fans, about the viewing, and making it, you know, like it is, you know, sort of the the elite game. You need to have that moment where you're clearly like communicating with the yep. fans. Um, you know, we get we get told at our level that we don't commute, and it's not the referee's fault at all in this because that's just how they need to do VAR, like rugby. But right. we get told at our level if we don't communicate to the crowd what decision you're making, you're causing confusion. Well, that's exactly what happened yesterday. 
Okay. Well, I'm going to go back to you, Steve, and then, and then I'll go to Max because, again, the show's not going to be all about these decisions, but talking about the ref, and you are a ref, Steve, and tell me your thoughts on this. I think part of – this is just my opinion – the decisions that have been made, I'll, I'll go back to Andre Mariner and maybe the ref in this match, who, Steve, also mocked one of our players, Steve. A ref mocked one of our players. Did you see this? Did you see him mocking Wamina? That, to me, is uncalled for. Did you see this at the end of the match? Sure. This is this is interesting um, okay. because, because having done it, you obviously referee myself. You go yeah. out there, game a game. You you put up with a hell of a lot out there. Okay. And if you say one thing that they don't like, oh, you know, you can't say that. You know, you can't say that to me. Well, hang on a minute. You've been giving it large the last 90 minutes. Okay. So, okay. so to be fair, you know, if you're going to dish it I'm out, you've got to be able to <laughs> take it. Uh, <laughs> okay. If you dish it out, you've got to be able to take it. Maybe on Sunday League, Premier League refs have to hold a higher set than that. Oh, right, Steve. right, right. Yeah, right. but they're standard, and then there's someone dishing out to you for 90 right. minutes, and they can't take a little cheeky comment okay. back about their passing or something. Well, you know, you're in the wrong business. You never would have saw that with a big club, though. They could do it to Fulham, okay. they don't think very much of us. Yeah. Never okay. done that to United Liverpool. Okay. But, Steve, this is what I really want to talk to you about, is as a ref, and this is on a different level because this deals with VAR. Do you think that some refs, and I said Andre Mariner and the ref from last night, are unwilling to change the decision after looking at VAR? Partially because they don't want to admit fault, ego, pride. Do you think that is coming into it? Because I think it is. I think that they are unwilling to change a decision, even if they see it. No, no, because it's ultimately the decision that they get judged on. It will be um, a simple box tick. They've made the right call. They haven't made the right call. I don't know if they're being shown the right angles. Okay, that and that's another thing. That are they seeing. are they being shown all the angles? And that's because what we're talking about. That, for example, that angle there was. I think there was only one replay, one angle that clearly showed the Liverpool player go through the Fulham guy's foot to get the ball. Now, from what I could see that they were watching, that wasn't the angle they were looking at. So, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, um, the the guys at the top. Correct me if I'm wrong. But are you showing the right angles for the referees to make the calls? They can only make the calls on what they're shown. And if, it, if it's a poor angle, it's not the right angle, then what, what are they supposed to do? Okay, I hear you. Max, your thoughts on all of this, you know, and, and again, we're just going to talk about it now. We'll talk about it a little bit when we talk about the first and second half, but thoughts on our discussion about the refs? Well, I, I just agree with Ross in terms of I don't see the trip at, okay. at the edge of the box. I think that's what people are pointing to as a decision, but... I just didn't see it. I think it was a dive by Wilson up to that point. He wanted to make sure it continued into the box. I didn't see an angle where Anderson, you know, trod on him. But again, that's the issue. With the neither angle. did I. Neither did I, Max. I said I didn't see it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Okay, um, you're talking about you disagree with Steve. Okay. Yeah, is, well, it, is it clear and obvious though? Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's the thing. This is a larger thing. Overturn it. It's, it's it. the fact that we're sat here on a Sunday, Sunday night discussing. Did he trod in the foot? Was it an angle? <laughs> it's it's not the game we love, and no. I'm not gonna. I'm not anti-VAR, you know, per se, but it, it shouldn't be like this, you know. And VAR was brought in to take the stuff out of the game. We didn't have right. to dissect. Oh, was he offside? Was he onside? And it's made it mm. in many ways very worse. Yeah. Another thing I have to say is, you know, we talk about Ana in the lead up to the yep. goal. Let's talk about Anderson. 
I point the finger massively at Anderson in the situation. You have okay. to be smarter because worst case scenario is exactly what happened. He did the worst thing. Concede a penalty, get sent off, lead to a goal. All three went against us. Yep. I think from Anderson, I know it's not easy in the moment. You say, listen, let Wilson go. Ariola's had a good match. Leave it up to the one-on-one chance. It's not a guaranteed goal. It's probably a 75% chance of a goal. Right. But I'll stand the pitch. We'll have 11 men. And you know we probably fancy ourselves to go out and win the match based on the way we've been playing. It's a silly tug. And yes, it's not a penalty, but he left it up to the ref and he let them make that decision. You have to be smarter if you're going to be you know, the, the big-name center back that we signed. That's an error. That's a big error. Um, and he'll be out for, I reckon, three matches because I can't see it being overturned because what's the point of overturning if it's already been looked at at VAR? So that's very tough in my opinion. Yeah, and, and as Steve mentioned, actually, it, it was a red card whether it happens inside or outside the box. So right. there's really no chance of that being reduced to any one match or so. It's going to be three. Where are you getting three matches from just out of interest? Well, it, uh, isn't a, a red card automatic three match ban? Or no? Well, that's for, that's for, as far as I'm aware. I mean, I don't get into the sort of ins and outs of what, you know, what the disciplinary procedure is. As far as I'm aware, violent conduct is a minimum of three games, but obviously they can increase it depending on severity. Right. For, for that red card, I think, don't hold me to it, I think it's one match. Um, for example, second yellow card, one match. That, you know, for me, that I think it's a one match. Don't hold me to it, but I don't okay. think it's a three-match ban. Okay. And there's still some question about that, and I'm sure Fulham are going to appeal. I believe Scott Parker said that, but... As, it's pointless. Don't appeal it. It's pointless. That's what <laughs> a friend of mine in Spain said. It's pointless. It's not going to be overturned. But Absolutely not. Okay. Okay. Very good, guys. All right. Let's move on. And let's just get to the, your biggest takeaway from this match. We've obviously focused on the uh, decisions here. But what do you take away from this match? Steve, over to you first. Um, I'm going to come a half glass full kind of guy. Um, really? Yeah. No, sorry, half empty, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, now I'm disappointed. Just no, just just a little round what we were saying at the beginning of the game and Max started on. At the end of the day, you have to be looking at these games and getting getting the three points. Yes, okay, the, the game changed on the red card, but that is our own mistake. We haven't taken our chances. Yep. We, can't, we can't keep saying, oh, we're playing well, we're playing well, oh, we're getting a draw, oh, we're narrowly losing, oh, we're doing this. We can lose every game 2-1, 1-0 and play really, really well. That isn't going to keep us in the league. You have to pick up points. We've had a slow start. We had an awful start. We know that. Picked up a few good points against the big teams who are already playing catch-up. And then you still can't beat the teams around you. We're playing even more catch-up at the end of the day. Yeah, we're not too far too far back. But when you think about how many games we played, nearly a third of the season, and we're barely into double figures. Yes, I know there's quite a few teams down there on that, but that's just not good enough. Okay. Max, over to you. Your biggest takeaway from this match. Well, I was going to go a bit pessimistic, but Steve did that for me. So I'll go on the other end, uh, and I agree 100% with what Steve said. But I okay. think we have to look at the defense, and I have you know, gone and slated Anderson and Aina, but we don't concede from open play anymore. And mm. you know, I've said this after the match, but that's right. we didn't look at all threatened, even after Newcastle were the man up. You know, we got Newcastle really poor. That's what makes this really frustrating is because they looked awful, guys. Like, like one of the worst teams I've seen play Fulham all season. They offered nothing, nothing, and just such a negative style of play at home. I would not be surprised if they got sucked down. But, you know, apart from that, look at the Liverpool match. They only scored through a penalty. Um, City scored through a penalty and, you know, got a goal off, you know, early. But I think the defense is just night and day um, what it was early in the season, and that's such an asset when you can go 
play matches away. And even against the big sides, you know, conceding one against Leicester, two against City, one against Liverpool, clean sheet against Brighton. We're just solid at the back. And that's such an asset, which we cannot underestimate. In a relegation fight, I think the number one thing you have to do is be solid at the back. The goals, as we mentioned, are are an issue, but rather be a Fulham than a Leeds who've all seen our leaking goals like fun. Our goal is conceded, I think it's 23, and there are, I think, three or four clubs who actually have conceded more than us, which is a very alien position for us to be in in the league, considering what we've done in the last couple of times when in the top flight. So that's what my takeaway is that even in matches when we're down to 10 away from home, yep. the defense looks solid. And I think a lot of that also comes down to the play of Lamina and Angisa. Yes, the holding midfielders are superb, um, and I think that's another big bonus. Okay, very good. Russ, can I yes, add into that? Um, yes, I messaged go ahead. A friend, I messaged a friend of mine earlier, and I said, I cannot believe your team is going to have the best stadium next year. This is going down to the championship. Who am I talking of? Um, I Arsenal. Arsenal. Oh. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine it, surely, but um, something's got I to change there. That. I, I actually was just on <laughs> another podcast talking about Arsenal, and they wanted me to answer should uh, – Arteta be sacked, and we had a whole discussion on it. And I thought of uh, Scott Parker, brand-new manager. But, uh, yes, no. I, do you really think that Arsenal is, is going to be down there the entire season? Do you really think so? Right now, if Arteta stays, I'm not saying it's his fault at all. Yeah. But if he stays, at the moment, they're only going one way. They're heading down towards the bottom of the league. I okay. mean, where are they? Just above us. So, <laughs> they are. They're not <laughs> literally that Literally, like, yeah. Um, and we're showing a bit more fight than they are. The teams we are. are showing a bit more fight. Even West Brom is showing a little bit more fight. I know they've just lost 3-0, but they had a red card as well, I think. So possibly, possibly not. I'm not sure. It might have got overturned. Um, but but yeah, there's a lot of teams showing a lot of fight. And they're That's not, right. they've not got too much. That's right, Steve. And that goes to my biggest takeaway. And like I've already mentioned, I, I want to focus on after the uh, red card and after the, the penalty and... The match changes because it's one thing, as Max said, to be solid, and we are solid, and we're not giving away any goals from open play. That's fantastic. All good stuff. The medal of a team in a situation like they were put under, like I said, most teams would just hunker down. That was not what we watched, guys. And it just showed me that not only do they have the defense going in the the right way, I think they also have the ambition – to win matches because, like I said, I think it's easy to just go in a shell and not do anything. But it takes another side of you. And as Parker has always said, we need to see another side. He was talking about the defensive side. But you also have to have the other side of going forward. Even when you're down a man, to have the, the that type of uh, you know fortitude to go forward like that, to believe in yourself, to be confident in yourself. And they did that, guys. And that, to me, is my biggest takeaway. Is the end of that match after Newcastle equalizes and Fulham were still trying to push for a winner? That, to me, is extremely encouraging. That's where I'm going on that. We okay. still need stri- we still need strikers, though. Because I agree with you. I'm seeing all the comments of people well, you're quite commenting. Toothless. I agree. You're quite toothless. I I totally agree with all of that. Mm. I'm just saying the players that were out there. We're looking to score the winning goal yeah, yeah, definitely, instead of yeah. go, keeping the point, Steve. That's a yeah, mindset, yeah. Steve. Oh, yeah, it's just a bit of quality we need, really. Just a bit, exactly. I mean, exactly, not... but they have the mindset, yeah. and I think that's huge. 
Yeah, well, January's coming up, so you know we'll, we'll see what we do, see what we can do in January, because okay. this could be the difference to, between keeping us up and not just going forward. I'm We're not, fine at the back now. I'm not going to disagree with you, Steve. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to agree with you, which probably kills you that I'm going to agree with you. But I am going <laughs> to agree with you, Steve. All right, let's now talk about the starting 11, because this has a couple of different layers, guys. Because I want to ask you, and Max, I'll go to you. First thoughts when you saw the starting 11, and then later on, before the match began, when you learned of the change. Yeah, a big thing was Mitchurch was back, um, putting to, be- to, re- to, best and, uh, sorry, to bed any um, you know conspiracy theories about him having a falling out with Parker. It looks to me like it's a fitness thing, because let's be honest, I think he had a pretty mediocre match, not up to his usual standards. I think he's still working his way up to full fitness. So that's that's my take on the situation. Of course, Kearney comes back in for Loftus-Cheek. And we're going to see uh, Bobby Decadovery drop out for Cavalero. Um, but then Cavalero pulled out late on. So Decadovery slotted back in there. And that, to me, I don't know. I, I, I would have probably liked to see Kamara actually start from the off in this oh, situation. Oh, I don't know. I think oh. it could have been a good match for him because I, 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 as Evan was saying – Oh, come on. As everyone was saying, we're very toothless. And I think this is a great counterattacking situation for Kamara to add that burst of pace um, down the wing. And just that gives a different, you know, dynamic and attack because for much of that first half, it was kind of slow passing. It was. Very little incisiveness. But they were still creating opportunities, Matt. Sure, yeah. I just think Kamara would have been a, would have been a good option because I think the reason Deckard Overy dropped to the bench is because he was maybe nursing a knock after yes. the match. That, so. You know, and let's be honest, Decker Overeed didn't play well at all, in my opinion. Missed two really clear-cut chances. Still our top scorer, mind you, but yep. was not clinical. So, you know, maybe give it to someone else. But altogether, I think that's a strong side. That's one of our strongest starting 11s. But the two people who came in, Kearney and Mitrovic, I don't think played to their level, and it, and it showed. Okay, and that's a fair criticism. Steve, what was going through your mind when you saw the starting 11? And then, of course, right before the match, the change when Bobby decadova reed comes in and Cavalero is dropped. Yeah, I got confused because uh, I was first watching the lineup come out and I thought I thought he was there, wouldn't he? And then uh, and then the game started and I was like, I saw him playing. I was just like, hang on a minute, what's going on here? I was like, have we made this up? Because I literally missed the first you know, several minutes. I was just like, okay, he's, he's on the pitch. He's not on the bench. I was like, okay. Anyway, um, yeah, interesting. I was happy to see Deckard over replaying. Um, I'm going to touch again on what Matt, Max was saying about Mitrovic. Um, he's still looking off the pace, but I don't know if... I don't know it's because he's not really getting a service because Robinson, although you know, de- decent player for us, and I think he's still our starting left back now. Um, his quality of delivery isn't there. Um, same with the right flank. Without Kenny Tete at the moment, the the just quality of service is just non-existent. You know, the balls we put into the box, they either don't reach the player or they don't reach by the first past the first man. We always know this from corners and set pieces and so forth. And it gets. It's just tiresome, you know. You always keep saying you can't feed off nothing. You can't continually feed off scraps. Um, but in, so, in terms of starting eleven, I was happy to see Kearney and Mitrovic back. But for some reason, we need to try and integrate them better. Um, or if they just don't fit the style, um, we're going to have to find out whether whether long term they are for us. You know, that's not yeah. anything on them. I don't want to see them leave. But if they don't fit the style, collect a bit of quite a bit of money for them and get the players that you want in. Um, interesting. Have a thought. You no, know, listen, that's a very interesting thought, Steve, because I think they need a different type of striker in the January transfer window that f- 
fits the mold of how they're playing right now. And Mitrovic is a different type of striker. And does he slow them down, Steve? I don't know. Does he fit exactly how they're playing right now? I'm not sure about that. But what we've also seen from Parker is that he's willing to mix and match and change against the opponent. So maybe there are going to be plenty of opportunities where we play that feature Mitrovic in a style that fits him a lot better. The last match, maybe not so much. And in several matches, that's probably why he hasn't featured Steve. And and then, of course, the fitness issue. Kennedy's an interesting one, too. So, But, again, I think it's a good problem to have for Scott Parker to fit all these players in. But I think it also shows, Steve, what you said, is that beyond Mitro, they don't have another option as a clear-cut striker that can get things done. And I think they need a striker with some pace. That's what I think. Just just anyone right now. I mean, I, I still go back to the classic. <laughs> I go back to the classic Dwight Gale sitting on the bench at Newcastle. Imagine <laughs> the, the chances we create on the deck at the moment. I mean, that guy yeah. was poaching for fun. You know, even that guy yeah. who's uh, signed for Brentford, even Tony. Ivan Tony. I mean, he's poaching for fun there. He's, he even is. I think some of the commentators are saying he's not. He's he not. He's he's a Premier League striker. Yanis um, mentioned him on on a prior show. That's exactly what Yanis said. Sorry, that yes. was Yanis who mentioned <laughs> it. Um, literally, he is a Premier League striker, and he's proving it. Um, he can he can finish that. That that lad can finish. Yeah. He deserves his chance. And I think we we couldn't go far wrong than splashing out a bit of cash on that player. Um, but the problem is Brentford asking for example they they got thirty three million in add-ons for Watkins. Yeah. And then you look at Liverpool getting a player like Thiago for 20-odd million. I mean, yep. there's a difference in ridiculous speed. Right. Well, going back to Mitro and going back to the striker, I think they they just need a different type of striker from Mitro. But I think Mitro needs to stay. I, I think Mitro scores. I, I just don't think that he is completely fit. And I think that's part of the issue, guys. That, that's my opinion. But we'll see what happens. Okay. Coming up next, guys, we are going to – Break down both halves, and we'll end with man of the match. Okay, Max, over to you. I'm going to just talk about some key moments, and then I will stop and we'll we'll chat a little bit about it, and then we will end uh, talking about the first half with your analysis. But let's start here. You know, it's funny, Max. Fulham start off with a very strange, quick opportunity for Mitro. He just takes a shot at the very beginning. And um, you have a good set piece, a little bit later from Lookman. And then uh, as I wrote down in my notes, you have you have a header from Lookman in the 12th minute. You have a couple of opportunities from Bobby Decadover Reed. You have a header in the 28th minute for, uh, that goes wide from Adorabayo. So they were creating some opportunities. The one that really gets me was the opportunity from Bobby Decadover Reed. That, was the, that really was a great opportunity that he just missed wide. That to me, he needs to be on target and dare I say scoring. But that's going to lead to uh, the goal, Max. I'll give you the honors of talking about the goal. And listen, I think Fulham earned this goal. I know it's an own goal. But just take us through the goal that gave Fulham the lead in the 42nd minute. Yeah, and you mentioned Adarabayo had a really nice header earlier on. He did. We could sense he was dangerous from set pieces. um, Very much so. On Saturday. And, you know, we don't score very often from corners. I think that might be our first goal off a corner all season. Yeah. But, you know... we see why don't we do it more often because it's a really nice delivery. So often nowadays corners are whipped in their post and rarely beat the first man. This one was nice lofted far post. Adorabad is really well to 
jump up and hit it down in dangerous area. And that's all you have to do is put it in that mixer. Anything can happen. I think Deco Dovereed actually does a nice job of getting out of the way of the ball because Matt Ritchie sees that very late. And I think that's what leads to the own goal is that he's not expecting it. He sees it late, hits off his face. Of course, very fortunate goes in. But as you mentioned, you went through listing all the chances we had in the first half. Against a run of play, it was deserved, you know. Although it was a fortunate goal, I think we probably should have scored earlier than that. The Decadovery chance was big, but also he had one earlier when it got called back for the Angisa foul when he was one and one with Darlow and just kind of hits it right at him. Yep. So we were creating good opportunities. The one thing which stood out to me was we were playing really well attacking wise, I think, but Mitro didn't have any shots apart from that first, second, essentially long shot. Yeah. And you mentioned Lookman getting the header in there and some other crosses going there, but it was odd because that's normally what Mitro thrives on. But I know. He was, for me, kind of coming back in the 18-yard box, you know, not really making those runs as normal. Something's not right with him. I think it has to be injury or just people are saying in the comments, lack of fitness. He hasn't played much really since August, you could argue. Um, He just looks tired. And this is a match where I really thought it would be his bread and butter. We're having more of the ball, maybe putting in more crosses. But he wasn't in and around it as much as I expected him to be. Okay, very good. All right, Steve, over to you. I want to get your thoughts on... What was going through your mind at halftime? We'll call it halftime thoughts. So analyze the first half, and what were you thinking about Fulham going into the second half? Um, our, our classic, we can't do a 90 minutes to save our lives. There's always going to be one <laughs> half that's going to be worse than the other. Um, invariably, having not a bad first half, but only sort of getting the own goal and one up at half time. Um, yeah. You can see what I was thinking at half time again, being the sort of glass glass half empty man that I uh, I am sort of probably ninety percent of the time. I was gonna say you're glass ninety percent. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite I, I like to call it realistic, but um <laughs> maybe I am, maybe I'm not. But hey, it keeps coming back and biting us in the backside, you know. I was right to be thinking at half time because sure enough, sixty <laughs> minutes, we've done something that's changed the game. We've got a red card, we got a penalty, conceded a goal, and then we're hanging on for dear life. <laughs> Um, when we should be really, well, like the Liverpool game, about 3-0 up. Yeah. Um, and then we've conceded a silly penalty. Um, and it is a silly penalty because... Yes. Because invariably, I can't guarantee it, but, you know, like the referees probably say, lads, keep your arms down in the wall. Don't raise your arms, do this, you know, talking to the players. And, of course, what does he do? Flings his arms in the air. There we go. OK, we're going back to the Liverpool. <laughs> I know, but it's just the silly things that we do, Russ, every single game and we okay. shoot ourselves in the foot. A bit like this one. <laughs> well, we did in this one, and, and that's going to lead us to talk about the second half. Thank you, Steve, for transitioning us to you're the welcome. second half. You're welcome. Of course. Well, <laughs> you're wonderful like that, Steve. So let's just go right to it. Let's not waste any time. We've already talked a, a good amount about it, but I want to talk about the action before and, and Max. Uh, and uh, sorry, I put up the wrong graphic. Was it a penalty? So, but we'll talk about the whole action because I believe, really, as Emilio said to me, we could talk about the penalty. Was it the right call or not? But this started with an error on foam. So let's start there. Yeah, first of all, I think it's a throw in from the right hand side. Aina, what is he doing in that position? So high up with so little cover. He slips, just kind of loses the ball horribly exposed and remember he's one of our three center backs and i said uh-oh when that happened to myself it was a it was, it was a disaster waiting to happen um because you should not be that far up the pitch when you're in the three center back position i mean if you're a right wing back sure but he's not 
it was clear how, you know, outnumbered we were at the back. And it almost happened, you know, countless times that second half when we yep. went forward, left numbers back. And again, I think the main culprit here is Anderson. You have to be smart in that situation. It's better to give up the scoring opportunity than it is to get yourself sent off. A goal is a blow, but it's not a fatal blow like a sending off can be. So to me, that's just, I don't know. I mean, Anderson's been a great player for us this season, so I don't want to be too harsh on him, but he did cost us a match in many respects here. And we can talk about the referee, and we have done already, yeah, but I'll yeah, we've, we've already gone there. Which I don't believe that was a penalty. I think most of the contact, all the contact honestly happened outside the box. That's but, but that's, that's what that's my what eyes tell me, but others have shown me up and then, evidence and then get, that they believe it was inside. But and then we I get a penalty, and you know, we always seem to uh, to miss penalties, but other teams always score them against us. So that's a funny thing I was thinking of again. Okay. Um, but, you know, that, it is what it was. But again, after that, Newcastle didn't create much. And as you mentioned, no. Russ, you want to be optimistic. We pressed on. We did. We were positive. So we'll take that away. Okay, and and I'll get to that in, in just a second. But, Steve, you've already t- touched on that, so you believe that this is a penalty. But through your eyes, your thoughts on everything that led up to it and what was going through your mind when you saw everything happen? Well, touching on Aina, I think this has helped Tony Khan in the transfer window because the first thing we can do is get Aina a new pair of boots from Mike Ashley Sports Direct. <laughs> Therefore, some studded boots and not blades where you will not slip on the grass all the time. <laughs> Therefore, that error doesn't occur. So, good call, so, that's good. so that's the first bit of transfer business. New pair of boots for Aina. Um, and then we'll see how he gets on after that. Um, yeah, so the penalty, I mean, we've touched on a lot of it. I'm just going to go straight to it. They're, they're talking about a touch on the Achilles inside the box. Okay. The problem you've got is I think if the referee doesn't give it, there's not enough. It's not clear and obvious to give the penalty. But the fact that he's given it, it's not clear and obvious to overturn it. So it's the, it's that gray area that you really can't. It's not a hundred percent. Yeah, which because it needs obvious, to be, Steve. Obvious, right? Is, is that your opinion? It, yeah, it needs to be a hundred percent one way or, or the well, other. Yeah, because obvious is clear and obvious is all of us sitting here. Or let's say I don't know five hundred. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. We all say exactly the same thing. I think most people have yeah. said that it wasn't a penalty. I mean, most, match most. Of the day. Gary Lineker. This is these are <laughs> not Fulham fans. He's just match of the day said it would look like a dive. Yeah, but the, yeah, it did. I'll be honest okay. with you. I mean, I, I've, I've been Steve, the Steve this was a dive. Bit. Come on, let's be honest here. You he's have made, to, he's, made, he's made the most out of it. Um, you don't get trodden the Achilles like that and, and go down like that for me. But at the same time, he has, you know, I think it would probably be the first to say I've made the most of it. But if he doesn't go down and he has been clipped, does he get the penalty? No. So he's got, for him, he's got to try and make the most of it to try and get the penalty and ensure that the contact scene. So it's a really difficult one. I don't think okay. it's, it's not, it's not Vars fault. It's not the referee's fault. It's just not clear and obvious to overturn once it's given. Um, okay. Okay. But Steve, what about diving? Okay. Because this was diving. This is this, to me, that's clear and obvious. It's a, it's a big problem at the moment. Um, okay. It's a really big problem. It's I, even a problem at lower levels of football as well. And, and um, to be honest with you, and I want to say this because Emilio said this to and and I want to reemphasize this. Adam Lookman dived too. Okay, so mm. I, I have to say that. And no, this is a false equivalency. If we no, want no, a penalty, if we want a penalty and got yeah. a player set off and scored a winning goal because of a dive, that's completely fair game to bring that up in the show. But I mean, I don't even know what situation you're talking about, Russ. And that means it's ridiculous to bring up. If we'd want a match based on a BS call, okay. I'd be the first to say it. But come on, that's not what happened. That's ridiculous. That that that's just both sides of them for the sake of it. Uh, that's that's 
what? Like, look, look, us. I don't even know where to begin with that with that logic. I don't know how we can say, oh, but Fulham did it too. Well, did we win the match off it? No. No. We're obviously we're the victim. Okay. Let's I see, we where, are I see the where you're going on that. I just want to be fair on both sides on this but, because but it does but happen but, with Fulham too. But we haven't benefited from it in the way other clubs have, in my opinion. Because look okay. at Sterling and look at the Fabinho situation. Other people have benefited from calls in the way that we have in this season. Max, okay. can you just give me a minute to grab some popcorn while you guys are going at it, please? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean okay. Steve, don't grab your popcorn. Bag your referee whistle and, and your lines and flags. Exactly. But I want to share this comment. Because look who this is coming from, okay? Yeah, I'm telling you, Max. Alan Shearer said it was a Alan Shearer said it was a He's Mr. Striker. He loves strikers till his death. So, I mean, if he's giving the defender benefit of the doubt, it has to be. Steve, Alan Shearer, come on. These are the same guys that don't understand the laws of the game in football. So I'm not. I'm not. Premier League. Come on, Steve. Um, yeah, I, I'll be. I'll be honest. He's made. He's, he's made a meal of it. He has. Um, and I'll be surprised. You know, even if it was a penalty. You know, like even if he was touched, it was a penalty. Okay. Someone made a meal of it. I wouldn't okay. be surprised. A referee turned around and thought, "Well, hang on a minute. He's made a meal of that. Okay, but I'm, I, not, I'm not giving okay, it." Okay. I, th- I think uh, the big thing here, though, is that Steve, you're saying you saw a situation where there might have been a touch. Mm. On the edge of the box with Achilles and Anderson's foot on the line, on the, on the line, line, just inside. Yeah, I just haven't seen any. I think Russ and I agree. I just I saw angles which showed there was no contact, and maybe yep. that's just. But I think that's where I disagree. I actually that that yeah, I but it's got to be clear and obvious. It. It's got to be clear and obvious that overturn a decision. It's not. Okay. It's not clear and obvious to say no, so he can't say it's not a penalty. Once he's okay. given it, he's given it. Okay, that's the problem. Okay, uh, I think Steve. Uh, doesn't need any more dues for the referees union this month, right, Max? Mm. Well, listen, this. Colin Frazier in the comments says the law of the game is that if the first contact is outside the box, it's a free kick there. Is that incorrect? Crazy? Incorrect. Oh, wow. Well, so, for example, that's the decree. For, that's the verdict. For, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is incorrect? Incorrect. So, for example, let's just take out the trip or anything. Let's say the holding started outside the penalty area and continued into the penalty area, it would be a penalty kick. You would not call it back to where he first started holding. You try and give them an advantage. If he keeps holding into the penalty area, you give the penalty kick because that is the advantage to the attacking team. So that is incorrect. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Very interesting stuff. Glad that we have Steve on. It's, it's been an interesting discussion, but that's going to lead me now to talk about what happened afterwards. And I've already talked about it. So I want to hear both of you guys analyze the second half from the point that the match is now level at 1-1. Steve, to you first. Your thoughts on how Fulham played after the red card, after they scored on the penalty. Your thoughts. Summed up conservatively. That's one word. Any, anything else you need, Russ? Uh, conservative. No, um, no, we've done all right. We, we, did, we did come out of the blocks. We were a bit conservative and obviously wanted to protect the point. But at the same time, we, you, you know, you saw two or three decent opportunities where we were breaking forward. Exactly. But, I don't think it was conservative. No, a bit, we were a bit, a little bit to try and hold on to that point, but we did break out when we could in the counter. So right. again, the problem came back, comes back. We get the ball out wide, Lookman's having a go, but we don't know what to do with it because there's no option. There's nothing to do. We've got no one in the box that can do anything with it. Um, that That's the problem, you know, and obviously Lookman gets crowded out, you know, on a couple of occasions. Um, so what do we do? We It just goes back to what we were talking about earlier, strikers. Yeah. Okay. Okay, very good. Max, your analysis of after the incident, we'll call it the incident, how did you think Fulham played? I think we showed res- 
you know, respect for our own game that we didn't sit back and just, you know, put 10 men behind the ball. We realized that, hold on, Newcastle have been poor all match. We should continue to try to play, you know, to win it because it wasn't just hoofing the long balls and, you know, clearances. You're right. I mean, Angisa had a chance where he dribbled in the box. There yep. were certain periods of play when we were in their half. And, I mean, I was nervous in the Leicester City match. I was nervous um, in the Liverpool match when we were hanging on to a late lead slash tie. I was never once nervous in the last 30 minutes, which is saying something. You know, when yeah. you're down 10, you expect an absolute onslaught from the home side. Yeah, where was the onslaught, man? Yeah, I guess to show how poor Newcastle were. But again, we held firm. And, you know, maybe in the past season, we might have wilted and conceded the second goal. That, to me, I think is one of the biggest takeaways as well, is that Scott Parker has instilled a belief, but also a solidity in this team because the soft underbelly we've had is gone. That's totally gone. And that to me should be the biggest takeaway along with what, what I said, talking about the second half performance after they gave up the goal there is that, uh, you know, like I said, it's that solidity. There is no soft underbelly anymore, Max. Yeah, That's, I mean, yeah. It's huge. And I'm, I'm delighted about that, but so much of that, you know, delight is tempered by the fact that <sighs> – we were expected to push on after the unexpected results against Liverpool and Leicester, yep. right? Those are two results in which we all sat in the pod here and people sat on Twitter and on commentary on the TV. If Fulham play like that, they will not go down, right? If we play like we did against the Leicester and Liverpool, we'll right. not go down. those performances have not been replicated. And that gives me worry because, yes, we're doing better defensively, but we haven't produced that same attacking energy. You know, we haven't risen to the occasion. And I worry that... You know, maybe we can play that way against the big sides when we have 2,000 fans in the stadium and not much is expected of us. But when the onus is on us to attack, we can't bring that same verve. And that's a concern. Hopefully I'm proven wrong, but we'll see against that Burnley match, you know, in a couple of weeks. That's a good point there, my friend. All right. One final topic before we go to man of the match. And uh, I should have said this before we went to analysis. So, Steve, I'll go to you first. I know you're thoughts on this, but let's talk about it a little bit. Should Fulham have gotten a penalty at the end of the match? You know the incident we're talking about. Okay. Um, I'm interested to know what Colin's thoughts are on this. Because <laughs> Colin, love you to bits, mate. Um, but you need to, I need to know whether you think that was a penalty or not, because I can tell you now that's not a penalty kick. I'm interested if you think it was, because it's a deflection onto his hand. His arms are not in an unnatural position that you can't give the penalty. I'm interested to see if Colin thinks it was a penalty because okay. this is a directive we're given. This is a directive. So if you think it was a penalty, I need you to go and see your trainer. Uh, <laughs> okay, well... He's going after the well, fans. Here's, here's another comment. Advisable. This is for Max. Max, we can replicate those performances with Mitro and TC and the team. I, I think he could be right on that. And uh, let's, let's, see, let's see what else he has to say. Anybody's guess, pal? It's just a bit of I, I Listen, I, I think it actually. I, I'll, I'll go and stand up to the penalty side here because I think I don't know. I mean, you said it's a deflection, but is that a natural position? It's Maybe. clear as day. It's clear as day. But I don't know. I think you, let's talk about the Kamara situation. He has hands up, but it's it hits off him from very close range, and he doesn't know much about that. Now I can see why it's not given a penalty, and, and all, yeah. in the end, I will defer to Steve. But I. Do you not see the difference between Kamara's? Well, that's why I'm glad we're talking about this. There's a massive yeah, yeah, I mean, difference. Well, Kamara put his hands up, for sure. Kamara put his hands up, tried to save it, it, 
<laughs> the thing to me is it hit off Adarbato first, right? It's not yeah. that Kamara's Steve, going to Steve, do you think that he was play. trying to block it, or do you think he was trying to protect himself because he was going to get hit in the face? Is that the, the Newcastle guy, yeah? We on about no, no, I'm actually talking about Kamara going back to the Liverpool match. Well, it doesn't care what he was doing. His arms just shouldn't have been up there, full stop. Yeah, possibly he wanted to protect his face. See, that's but... what I think he was doing. I don't think he was trying to block it. I think he was trying to protect himself. Yeah, but yeah, but they're already informed. That They're informed at the start of the season. They get told this stuff. They'll have seen this stuff. Do not pit. Look at the other Fulham guys who were saying about putting their arms in front of their bodies, in front of their crown jewels, whatever. Just do not put it above your head. Yeah. And what does he do? Puts it above his head. <laughs> well, again, going back to this decision I didn't mm. I didn't think Fulham deserved the penalty either because it's I thought a, it was accidental if you want to say right it's not it's not a penalty it's a it's a clear directive you, you're not giving a yeah. penalty for that if you're okay. given that if we if we had that against us I'd be absolutely fuming <laughs> it, it's, it's not a penalty okay and uh, my friend Robin Pendrel it was bald to hand no penalty and thank you for being honest on that very honest and, and Colin thank you for all of your messages we just can't share all of them because you have been very active here in our little little group here so thank you very much all right guys Russ, Russ, yes can we just touch on colin uh, me and colin having a bit of back and forth i like it colin we agree disagree bit of banter um but i agree with you at the moment because we don't hear what's going on on these major decisions with var it's confusing a lot of people and even myself as a referee i'm sat there thinking what are you giving it for what are you doing can we make this clearer so, yeah, just to, like I say, hear the decisions like they're doing rugby would be fantastic. Okay. Okay. Very good there, Steve. All right. Guys, let's end the show with man of the match. I'm going to tell you who my man of the match is right now. It was Mario Lamina. I, I, again, I thought he was fantastic. He was tackling everything. I thought he was all over the place. Huge energy. And I thought he made a difference for Fulham. And uh, I told Emilio that because I know Emilio is still not sure about has been very critical at times about Mario Lamina, but even he thought he was man of the match. Max, who's your man of the match? Do you agree with me, or do you have another name you'd like to put out there? Yeah, Lamina was up there for me. I think he showed his range on Saturday in terms of defensive tracking back, starting counterattacks, and even that really nice lofted through ball to Decada Reed. Yeah, it's a really nice, uh, classy touch there. Uh, I might actually say Angisa, though, because okay. his powerful running was just amazing. He relieved so much pressure, even that second half. It just shows a progression, I think, of him because I was a big critic of him, you know, back two seasons ago in the Premier League because he'd try those dribbling situations outside his box and lose it. The difference this year is that he doesn't lose it anymore. That's and right. And it seems just to, you know, have a better command of the ball, has more confidence capabilities, can just stride out of the back with the ball. And we also saw his attacking uh, capability as well. I think he was putting in crosses, yeah. playing one-twos in the box, uh, very impressive performance for me from Angisa. And, you know, a lot of people are saying we won't have him for much longer. Hopefully that's not true, but the big boys will certainly be sniffing again. Well, Fulham just need to say no because they need Angisa. I was actually just asked about him on a, on a show that will actually uh, be a podcast. Uh, you'll probably be able to see it tomorrow, the EPL Roundtable, where I was asked about what player that I think Fulham need to get a new contract in and I said um, it would have to be Frank and Gisa. That was that was the person I think that Fulham need to invest even more in because I, I think he's that valuable. So I get where you're going on. Before I go to you, Steve, just keep the comments coming on Man of the Match and I'll share them as well. Steve, Man of the Match. Um, so it's toss-up for three for me. Um, Lumina had a good game. 
Um, but one game doesn't. I know it's all about this one game for in terms of man of match. But one one decent game doesn't make a player for me. He's still hit and miss. Um, I like to be a bit more, but he was really good. Um, and Gisa, even if he's not having a good game for us, it proves he actually does want to play for us. He does. He's willing to put in a shift. He's a bit of an ox. Um, I'm actually purely going to go for. Um, I'm going to pronounce it wrong now. Tosin Adebayaro. Adebayaro. Did a very good job there, Steve. Um, simply because <laughs> the thing that wins it is his age for me. These other guys are fairly experienced. He's not as experienced, and he's come straight into a Premier League team this year that he knows he's going to be fighting towards a bottom. And he looks very comfortable. And yeah, and I did criticise him for switching off a little bit on the Man City on the Sterling goal for Man City because yep. I thought he should be covering. But again, credit where credit's due. For his age, he's going to learn from that. And he's, we can already see he's learning from it. He, don't kill me next week, Toss, and don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to share some comments on Man of the Match. Robin Pendrell definitely went mean to Russ. I'm glad you agree with me. Let's see, my friend Chris says, I'm sticking with Ngisa for Man of the Match. And our friend Colin, Lamina, innocent, also superb, up to sending off. Steve, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Anderson was decent. I also thought it was a good shout for Jalo as well. Is he still with us? <laughs> Is he still oh, with Steve. us? I'm, I'm genuinely not He's sure. left like two, three years ago. Did he? Oh, he just he went out to the wilderness. Did we even announce that he left? Who's he playing for now? Barcelona? Oh, Steve. 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 Come on, Steve. Steve thinks he's a comedian. Steve, come on. No, I'm a terrible comedian. <laughs> I'm terrible. Well, I'll give it a good go. Um, hey. Dad jokes all around. Um, oh, no, but seriously, I didn't even... No, this is a genuine thing. I didn't actually know he left. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew he hadn't been around team sheets in the under-23s or anything. There's just nothing really said about him, I don't think. No, no <laughs> I, he, he kind of just disappeared. That, but that, Steve, that's not totally inexcusable. My dad keeps asking me where Aite is almost every week. Oh, that's oh, oh, no, 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 no. Because, like, you know, Giannis. Say, please hasn't... don't say, oh, because now you're going to get Giannis now messaging hey. about Floyd Aite. Please don't do that, Max. Okay. Yeah, I'm not being funny. Ca- Caviero is not as good as Floyd Aite in my book, but that's just my book. Come on, Giannis, chime in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All right, guys. I do want to wrap it up. I want to get final thoughts from both of you. First to you, Steve. Final thoughts before we wrap up the show. Striker in January, please. Striker in January. Maybe two. Maybe two. Maybe two. Wow. Yeah. How about you, Max? Final thoughts before we go. Brighton, Newcastle, two points in the possible six. It's not good, is it? So we're going to need some big performances coming in the festive period. I think it's Southampton, Spurs, Burnley. It's the next three. What do we think from how many points? You know, definitely a minimum three. Can we nick a draw? I don't know. Spurs are in poor form. But listen, we need we need that combination of big performances against big teams and gritting out win against, you know, the teams around us. So, I mean, that Burnley match will be, I don't want to say six-pointer, that's like a 12-pointer in my opinion, because mm-hmm. that will set the tone. Um, so, you know, listen, we need Mitrovic firing. Everyone's talking about a new striker. It would be nice, of course, because we have no depth, but I really think this team's success will run through Mitro, but he's not quite the man for the system at the moment. He needs to do some soul-searching work on his finishing because he's not going to get all the crosses, but if he can play on the counter and just try to get in the box quicker. He needs to work on that, uh, and then I think we'll be set. But until then, maybe we do have to buy someone in January. Okay, very good. All right. And I'll just leave this with my friend Chris Davidson, Spain, striker in January, agrees with Steve on that. Okay. My final thought actually involves uh, all my friends in London, all my friends in England, 
and uh, dealing with the pandemic. We're obviously dealing with it all over the world, and uh, a lot of my friends in London dealing with going to Tier 4, and I'm just thinking about all of you and just hope you stay healthy, and uh, I do want to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas all around the world, but I'm really thinking about my friends in London who, again, uh, are going to have a different kind of uh, Christmas, and uh, I'm thinking about you, so I just wanted to end talking about that. Okay. Great show, guys. But let's wrap this up. For Steve Lidyard, the referee, and Max Cohen, Mad Max. I'm Russ Goldman. I have no other thing to say about myself. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. And all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping. And you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.